This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for May 29th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. The message is by Father Rick Bowser. On the fifth Sunday, whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month, it falls to me to preach. In about every two or three months, seems like it's on the fifth Sunday of the month, my allergies decide to kick in. For some reason. So, if you'll bear with me, um, we'll get through this. I want to take a moment, this is um, Memorial Day weekend, and I want to take a moment to um, honor those who have served their country, and some fought, some died. I want to particularly, in my case, honor my father-in-law, Valentino DiPietro, who served in World War II. He was um, in the Army, part of the Normandy invasion, Omaha Beach, third wave in, Purple Heart, two bronze stars. I want to pay honor and tribute to him. Thank you. You know. Um, whenever my turn to preach, I always like to look at their lectionary scriptures and see what God has in mind for this Sunday. And uh, I really love that portion in Acts about Paul and Mars Hill and um, you worship with the unknown God and. I kind of pleaded with God to let me preach on that, and he said, no. <laughs> I said, okay, well then, what do you want me to preach on? And uh, there's three words that popped out of the psalm in 66. It says, bless our God, O ye people. If I were to title this sermon, I would have to title it The Power of Blessing. When I first met Nate, he was a very successful attorney. He'd gone to the best law schools and he was employed by one of the best law firms. In his early 30s, married his... Uh, Childhood sweetheart, the prom queen. I mean, guy was making probably six figures, 200 plus thousand a year. So why was he seeing me? <laughs> why are you here? I said to Nate. And basically he said, I think probably you're my last resort. What do you mean? So, well, he said, um... I've been through three times on the psych ward. I'm clinically depressed, and I eat lithium like it's candy. I thought, well, Nate, what's your story? How can someone in their early 30s that successful 
that having the world by the tail be so unbelievably shut down and depressed. So, over the course of the next few weeks, as we gained a little rapport and some trust, trust I, I said to Nate, Nate, I said, Nate, by the way, that's not his name. <laughs> I said, uh, do you like being an attorney? And he said, um, not really. I said, you're kidding. I spent, you spent the last 10, 12 years of your life going to school, building a career in the law, in law, and you're telling me that you don't really like being an attorney? He said, no. I said, why? Why, why are you an attorney? And he said, because um, that's what my father wanted me to do. He thought it would be a good idea if I went to law school and used this brain, and the guy had like 150 plus IQ, and um, went, into, went into law school, or went into the law field. I said, Nate, what, what is it that you really want to do? You don't want to be an attorney, what do you want to do? He said, well, I, I, I really want to run the family restaurant business. That's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid, since I worked in the kitchen and in, in the dining room and, and all the, all everything that went into the restaurant business. I loved it. And he said, that's my passion and that's what I want to do. And I said, well, why are you an attorney? He said, because my dad told me that the restaurant business is a really hard business. It's really rough, and he works with his family, and that's no fun. And he said he just wanted to spare me all the stuff that he's been through in the restaurant business. So that's why he asked me to be, uh, or sent me into the law school. I said, Nate, is there a chance that we could talk to your dad? He said, well, maybe. I'll ask him. So we asked him, and sure enough, Nate's dad decided it, uh, was to come in and talk with us. And so during the course of our conversation, same kind of uh, you know, recitation of the events and the facts and why and this and that and the other. And, and then in this conversation, right sort of in the middle of this conversation, Nate's dad some, said something that literally changed the course of this family's life. His dad said to me, he said, um, you know, when Nate and I talk about this, Nate says to, says to me, he talks as if that he has some sort of right or entitlement to the family business. And I sat there for a minute, and I thought for a minute, and I said, you know, Nate's dad, actually, he does. In Psalm 66, Psalmist says, bless our God, O you people, and sound his praise abroad. Now, 
Doesn't that sound a little backwards to you? The psalmist is telling us to bless God. He said, bless the Lord or bless God, O you people. Make the voice of his praise be heard. I mean, aren't we supposed to ask for God's blessing? Isn't that how it works? Don't we invoke, you know, bless this day, bless this food, bless our family, bless the missionaries? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Because in each case we invoke, we ask for God's blessing on something. The focus being on us, our earthly relationships, and our earthly stuff. And we ask God to bless it. And let me say, this is not a sermon suggesting that we don't do that. That we don't ask for God's blessing on our relationships and our stuff every day. I don't have a problem with the prayer of Jabez. <laughs> you read that. We ask God to bless us first. Well, maybe I do have a little problem with it. Actually, I have a little problem with Bruce Metzger, who sold five million books with that crazy, simple little idea, and I guess I'm a little jealous about that. <laughs> but blessing us, our relationships, and our stuff isn't what Psalm 66 says. It tells us to bless God. Not bless us, but Bless God, all you peoples. And I was reminded that, that it's, we are adopted, grafted in to our Jewish faith and heritage. We're adopted Jews. You know that? And in the, our Jewish heritage, this is called the Berachot, or the blessings. And they are the first major section of the Mishnah, which is all of the interpretation of the Bible. And a traditional Jewish blessing goes something like, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by his commandments. You see, the idea is this. Before any of us enjoy anything of the human experience, before we bless others, before we petition God for blessing, one must first bless God. See, in the life of a Hebrew, in the life of us Hebrews, God is blessed and praised for every event of life from the mundane to the sublime, including both good and bad experiences. So that as I was driving to church this morning and I was cut off in traffic, I said, bless you, Lord. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I said, bless you, Lord, and then I got as far away from that person as I could. Now, that's new for me. I used to be the other kind of person, you know, that drove up and, you know, that kind of thing. But now I bless the Lord and get far away. See, it's, um, 
For us, the Hebrew blessing is not merely a formula, a recitation of specific words. Rather, it is the experience of entering through prayer into an openness with God, into a mode of existence. That's what this concept of blessing is all about. It's entering into a relationship with God. It's the essence of entering into that relationship, into a mode of existence where the paramount realities are God's goodness and God's power for making good. That's how, in our reading of 1 Peter chapter 3, we're to bless God in our suffering. We bless Him for all things because we enter into a relationship with Him that we know He does work all things together for good. And by focusing our attention on God who is good, the ongoing experience of blessing maintains a very distinct God consciousness in our souls and He makes every moment of the day a sacred experience. Now, once we've blessed God, and in so doing, entered into that experiential relationship of our Heavenly Father's goodness, let's get back to our story of Nate. I said to the Father, I said, Nate Sr., would you consider yourself a believer? And he said, um, yes, but... I said, okay, let's stick with just the yes part. I think all of us believers from time to time are yes, but. <laughs> I asked him if he embraced the truth of the Bible, and he said yes. And I said, well, then you understand from Scripture the importance of the firstborn. For example, during the Exodus and the plagues on the, children, on the, uh, on the Egyptian people, it was the firstborn who were taken. In the examples of Jacob, Jacob and Esau, where the blessing of the father to the son was usurped by the number two son. He wanted to be the number one. Because being the number one, the firstborn, was extremely important in the Hebrew faith. And in the spiritual dynamics of the way God put things together. And so I explained all that to him, and he said, okay. You know, I, I know I've, there's, I'm a counselor, and I know there's about 12 or 14 different types of okay. <laughs> so when somebody, you say something, they say okay, it could mean a lot of things. In his case, that meant okay, but what are you going to say next? See, evidently, firstborns and blessings are connected. Evidently, fathers need to bless their firstborns in order to establish a transfer of spiritual and emotional and physical well-being, including health and assets, so that the firstborn can continue in a life of prosperity. Prosperity. 
The state of flourishing, of success, of good fortune, which encompasses wealth, but also includes factors as independent of wealth, such as happiness and health, including mental health. So I said to Nate's father, would you consider blessing Nate? In the biblical sense, with what and who you are, including the family business. I said, if, I suspect if you do, we'll be done with lithium. We'll be done with psychiatrists and psych wards. And you'll find a place of peace in yourself and your family that you can begin to feel a sense of well-being. Nate's dad decided to face his fears. He decided to accept his position as Nate's father. And he decided to bless his firstborn. Of course, the story doesn't end there anymore that it ended when Jacob received the blessing from his father. He didn't necessarily live happily ever after. Any more than were we to receive the blessing from our fathers or we to bless our children. However, don't miss the truth here about blessing. A number of years ago, I preached a sermon similar to this in Kharkov, Ukraine, old Soviet city from the old Soviet Union. And the Lord laid it on my heart after a week-long inner healing seminar and training seminar to preach a sermon on a father's blessing. There were about six or seven hundred people in attendance, and at the end of the sermon, I assigned six of the mem members of my team to go into the different sections of the church and anoint each man there and bless them with a Father's blessing. Took some time, but, but we did that. And later, at, uh, at dinner with the team and some of the translators, one of the translators said to me, he said, Rick, did you know that um, I was standing at the back of the church when you did that? When you came out of the pulpit and everybody came into the congregation and they were going to give everyone there the Father's blessing, he said, did you know that there were men running out the back door? They were running out the back door. Running from the Father's blessing. And it took me a while to process that. Took me a while to understand that. I mean, in Nate's case, there was no question. What he needed and wanted was his father's blessing, and he finally got it. Nate's in the family business right now, by the way. <clears throat> Yet there are also those of us for whom the father's blessing is something to run from. I think that ultimately the dynamics of that are for another sermon. But what I'm saying, don't run. God is good. His blessings will change everything. Just ask Nate. But 
What if we don't have a father to bless us? What if he's gone? What if that's just not his style? Then I'm reminded of John chapter 14. Our scripture for this morning, beginning at verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not know him or behold him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And this is what I want to leave you with. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you without the Father's blessing. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live. You also shall live. In that day, you'll know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Amen. You have just been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrews is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.